Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
from the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Bad Batch Report. Don't look down! Don't look down! <laughs> Uh, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making introductory noises to our podcast episode is Ken Navsock. Ken always makes uh, the the fun noises. That's our setup. And I get to have the fun, Ken, of guessing what noise you're going to make. I was thinking there might be a great Emperor Sheev Palpatine cackle of bureaucratic evil. <laughs> but instead, there was some joyful fear from Wrecker. Yeah, yeah. I wanna I wanna wreck a remix, you know, some with some skills on a on a on a soundboard there making like a don't look down, don't look down. That's what I want. That's what I want. Oh man, uh now I'm tempted. You could one could make a great techno beat with the the <laughs> grunts and groans and sighs of Wrecker in particular. Indeed. <laughs> the constant noises of Wrecker are one of our Almost constant companions as we talk about the Bad Batch. This was the sort of a mid-season spectacular, a two-episode event. Uh, both episodes uh, not broadcast. That's not the verb anymore. Uh, released, released on Disney Plus. Uh, we are going to be talking about episode seven. The title of that one is Clone Conspiracy. It is written by Ezra Nachman, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva, and continuing story editor credit to Matt Machenovitz. The second episode is Episode 8, Truth and Consequences, written by Damani Johnson, directed by Stuart Lee, and again, story editor Matt Machenovitz. Uh, these are some of the titles I was most intrigued by when they released the titles early of, ooh, Clone Conspiracy. That sounds really cool and interesting. Which clone? What could it be? Uh, Truth and Consequences at the time was like, I don't know. That title's kind of generic. Uh, turns out I was wrong. That's exactly what's at stake in these episodes, I thought. I, I agree with you there. And what's the truth? What's the consequences? And is it just a city in New Mexico? But I absolutely <laughs> love it. And yeah, the Cologne Conspiracy. I think all of us, it's like if you're a football fan, you get the schedule for the year in, in, in for your favorite team and you circle a date. Oh, we got our rival on this one. Oh, <laughs> this is, I circled this title, the Cologne Conspiracy. I want answers. I want yes. more questions. And we got it. Yeah, and our, our circling energies were rewarded, I think. Um, we have a, a couple of bits of business uh, right before we get into uh, diving deep into this two-parter. Uh, we always want to let you know when particular episodes are going to be unshackled when it comes to talking about <laughs> uh, politics. Uh, restate our, our perspective again is, hey, everything is political. Star Wars in particular has always been political. It can also be enjoyed for fun escapism of, hey, laser swords and pew pew. Uh, absolutely. And sometimes we, we try to be a little bit of a lighter touch on, on the politics because sometimes people just need a little bit of a break. Uh, but when an episode, in, in my opinion, uh, this arc is so tied to ideas of of how we make choices about who our society is, who gets decisions, how to, how who gets to make decisions, how power is abused, who gets treated well. When it's so clearly political, the real world uh, does uh, bleed into our conversation sometimes. Uh, do you think that's fair to say, Ken? Yeah, always fair to say. And the reason we do that is we just want to acknowledge it. And, and that's uh, sometimes, you know, the state of the world uh, just you just want to go watch some laser swords and uh, maybe uh, you know a, a riot race or two, uh, and that's uh, actually not just uh, okay. That's that's truly a, a way to to, to uh, take care of your mental health. But yeah, these episodes you enter the Senate chambers, you know you're going to get some uh, some talk uh, inspired by 
both history and things currently going on. Yeah, current history. Uh, the other thing that we wanted to shout out quickly is that we do have a new video up on YouTube. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you've probably heard us talking about it. Maybe you're just checking in on one of our review episodes like the Bad Batch Report, but we've launched a new show called Figure Fights where we decide which action figure not the character but the specific action figure of the character would win in a comedy battle our first episode features ripped luke skywalker from the power of the force 2 line in 1995 and the brand spanking new action figure retro darth vader from the dark times so if you're interested that's up on our youtube page check it out uh but for now ken Let's get into uh, political figures fighting in these episodes. Uh, we always talk about our viewing experience. Uh, did you stay up late? Did you have the midnight experience? Or did you watch the screeners that we are, of course, lucky to have? Uh, yeah, stuck with the screeners. Uh, still yet to have that midnight experience. This would have would have been a good one. Would have been a good one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, to get, I had to get. I couldn't watch it at midnight because I had to get up early to watch it in the morning and, and, and do this episode. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Uh, but no, not not yet on the midnight, but a lot of fun. And this was, uh, you had uh, kind of tipped me off like, ah, hey, some big stuff coming. And it was the mid-season, you know, the two-parter mid-season cliffhanger, so to speak. We didn't even know what it was, but you got to figure it's the mid-season event. So I made sure I made a nice dinner, sat down, put on the headphones, stared at my email address over everyone's face and uh, enjoyed the episodes a couple days ago. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I've gotten into the rhythm of usually watching on Friday morning. It's almost a Saturday morning cartoon, but instead it's a Friday morning cartoon. I love watching these in the morning when I'm fresh. There's that great tradition of watching animation uh, in the morning for uh, uh, people of our generation who grew up with the Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, these are pretty heavy Saturday morning cartoons. Um, but I was just, uh, uh, I was eating my English muffins. Uh, they had a little bit of salmon on them. It's very fancy. Uh, <laughs> and my jaw dropped over my salmon English muffins at what these episodes were. I was so thrilled. And we, we joke about the screeners coming with uh, your email emblazoned right in the middle of them and sometimes how it lines up. And there's that shot that was in the trailers of Palpatine rising and his eyes flicking up. And it was legitimately terrifying that Palpatine's glaring yellow eyes of hate emerged right above my email. I felt like <laughs> this is the most Palpatine has ever looked into my soul. Like, please, uh, I'm not opening an attachment if you send me an email, Palpatine. This is terrifying. Don't reply all. <laughs> reply at will, Commander. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very great viewing experience. And yeah, I texted you because I was like, oh, I did, has Ken watched it yet? I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, and now I don't have to wait anymore. So what was your overall reaction to this two-parter? Love it? Like it? Struggle with it? Where'd you go? Oh, man. I, I The only thing I struggled with was that there wasn't a third part there. I, it could have kept going for me. But I from the opening shot... Of course, and at night with that great music cue, just pulled in. Uh, love everything uh, that it's presenting here. We're going to take a look at the, uh, pull it apart as we always do, but just, I want to stop off at the, the just the, design, the Senate chamber. Still one of the best design locations in Star Wars and mm. great use of it, both empty and full. Uh, the, the, the way, uh, kind of a, a masterclass in a lot of ways of taking real world themes and just, shoving them inside of Star Wars, just <laughs> there you are, right in the center, but also keeping it Star Wars uh, and choosing my words carefully. Um, when you have some creators who, who were re- really in 
the Star Wars mix, not just as fans, but just, hey, you know, let's pull characters back in, not because we have a generic character and, you know, Pablo gave us a name. Now that name, we know what we want to do with these characters. We know what we want to do with this Star Wars lore. We have a big thing, the Imperial Stormtrooper program. That could have just been a lore checkbox. Instead, it is a, a very powerful episode, series of a couple episodes here, uh, dealing with all these real world themes. I just love kind of playing around in that world in that way. Uh, and then, you know, we, we often talk here and other, I've seen it on Twitter and it's just kind of a shared thing. If you're a bad batch fan or clone wars fan or um, a star Wars animation fan, uh, you're going to get landing sequences. You're going to get long shots of ships flying in. And this episode, there was a couple of those and a couple moments where the characters were walking Cade and slip come to mind. And I just, I don't know. You can make a little fun, loving joke about, ah, these, the ships still land. And, but these episodes and this show really know how to slow down and breathe when they need to and just kind of feel uh, it builds the tension. You get into the characters when that conversation was happening between uh, uh, Caden Slip. I just That's where it hit me. It's just like they know what they're doing here. They're really taking the time. They're not rushing ahead. It's not all action and pew pew and they know how to deliver it. So, hey, the professionals, no surprises there. And the final note. Sorry, sir. Final note. Mm, no. Um, I wonder if this came to my mind. I... I'm glad that this this series hasn't become, though there's been moments of it and there'll be moments again, hasn't become Crosshair just chasing them down every step of the way. Mm. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Crosshair, right? One episode, maybe what? Maybe, I can't remember. Yeah, and, and I think this arc really raises the question of uh, how is this all going for Crosshair? Yeah, because we, we have a, a, another clone assassin uh, kind of character show up, uh, which was great. Great design, by the way, too, on that, but you know, that could have been Crosshair. Not that you would have had him trapped and killed here, but just mm -hmm. why you, you don't have a Crosshair. But beyond that, this could have been Crosshair involved. I'll get them. I know them. Like, it could have been that. And that would uh, just be simple and straightforward. I'm glad I'm not writing the series. <laughs> able to do other things with it. And I'm, I'm waiting to see. Like, I want to know what does he start to think about these things as they come across his soul. So we'll see. Yeah. Is he going to be booted out with his... Uh his little clone knapsack and say, Hey, you're done. You're done. Thanks. Bye. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he, he was sort of a ramparts tool and rampart, uh, mm -hmm. didn't even fully trust him, which is, I think one of the reasons that he wasn't yeah. the assassin. Uh, yeah. and now a uh, ramparts rule seems to be done. So, mm -hmm. uh, crosshairs probably feeling pretty lonely about now, but, uh, we will see. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, those are my overall thoughts. Yeah, I really, really agree with uh, a lot of your overall thoughts. I think it, the the animation side has always been great at mood. It's always been great at really pulling in lots of different genres and putting them through the Star Wars filter. We've had sort of uh, espionage, uh, you know, political thriller episodes before, but I thought the mood was just phenomenal, particularly on the first episode. Uh, it was a political th thriller. It was very reminiscent of the the Bourne franchise in particular to me because the storytelling is similar of somebody who has been kind of thought they were doing a, a good thing, made to be a soldier, asked to do deeply immoral things and question it and at odds with his own government, you know. Um, but just the way it was shot, uh, the different music in the end credits of uh, the episode Clone Conspiracy, which was just like this great dark thriller electronica. Like it made me want to not dance to it, uh, 
but <laughs> hide in shadows for my life to this music. Uh, ponder to it. <laughs> ponder to it. Yeah. Question the morality of um, the actions I'm being asked to do to this music. Yeah. Music to question your immoral acts by. Uh, just a, a great, great mood. And then the, the second episode, I think, continued that. It had a little bit uh, 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 more of this great mood of, well, this feels like a little bit more of a straightforward episode of uh, the Bad Batch is asked to do this big, wild action. Will they succeed? Can they succeed? And, but it had this great conspiracy mm. political thriller tension because you're like, well, they can't succeed, right? Mm. Which sets us up so, so well for the the absolutely amazing twist that Palpatine was ready for this, wanted this. Or, or at least was like, and if they comes out, that'll work for me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I love the tone of it. I think the, the thing that makes me say uh, my jaw dropped over my English muffin is, you know, I love that Star Wars can be this uh, tip of the iceberg storytelling that it kind of throws ideas out there. And then it can take sometimes years, decades to getting to sort of address the story or the question that it's raised. And the question of of exactly what is the transition between the clone troopers and the stormtroopers? You know, when the prequels were first out, it was like, hey, maybe stormtroopers are clone troopers, right? And then that got mm-hmm. definitively changed. But then we've been slowly telling this storm this story of how did the stormtroopers truly come to be? We learned that they were that that program was Operation War Mantle in the first season of Bad Batch. Uh, but for me, there was just something so essential so rewarding for being a long-term star wars fan a long-term star wars fan of of any age (laughs) (laughs) to see both the horror and glory of emperor palpatine voiced Mm -hmm. by ian mcdermott himself Mm -hmm. declare the genesis of the imperial stormtrooper there's kind of a few things that get to the heart of just absolute classic original trilogy vibes right mm-hmm. but then where is it happening it's happening during two very political episodes in a set that is designed for the prequels it's yeah. absolutely following on the heels of the clone wars animated series so it's this in that one moment it's a it's a moment that fans have been kind of wondering about questioning about joking mm-hmm. about what's this actual transition mm-hmm. and it's all wrapped up in this sort of love letter to different eras of star wars coming together in this cool and horrifying way <laughs> i really love what you're saying i really agree with it and i think this is a good time to uh maybe you and i fawn over the palpatine moment before we then tear him apart <laughs> and tear it down <laughs> i thought this was uh, uh is this hyperbolic maybe it's i'm basking in the glow of these episodes I think it was one of my favorite Palpatine appearances in all of Star Wars and all of Star Wars history. Everything about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we can talk about the details because there's a ton of great details to enjoy. But I think that's another one of those. How does this work question? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we see him make his speech in Revenge of the Sith and, and get people uh, 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 afraid and wanting to cheer for the idea of we're going to be so strong. No scary outsider can ever touch us again. A safe and secure society cupping the air villainously, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but then there's that question. We don't really see who Mon Mothma's who, who who's in the center when Mon Mothma is talking in Andor. Right. We don't quite see. Is yeah. that Masamita? You know. We've seen things in publishing, but that 
question of how does evil wizard in a robe from folklore, how does he go about, you know, running the day-to-day business of the galaxy? Like he's not obviously an evil wizard who's trying to give a child a poisoned apple, you know? (laughs) And to see the way that that's handled, the theatrics of it, to see him in this in-between state between blatant Sith Lord with blazing yellow eyes and still playing the the political figurehead who has calm and wise thoughts about legislation to see those two Palpatines merge was amazing. Yeah. From the alarm to the look to the robe. uh, And and this is, uh, but but anyone who's done voice Palpatine before has done a wonderful job. I want to make that clear. Um, But this is when you have someone like, you know, Ian McDiarmid there and, I would love to see behind the scenes footage of this. First of all, it's Chuchi. You said it right. Good. No, no Ash Oka mess or whatever. It's Chuchi. He says all that. And by the way, I, I just get giddy when you have Ian McDermott in a, in a VO booth and they're saying, all right, so the name is Senator Chuchi. Like, Chuchi. like what? Like that's bizarre. That's wonderfully bizarre. You know, <laughs> similar to the Ahsoka or saying Ezra where you're like, this is great. This is great. Kind of like what you're saying. It's Star Wars from all parts of Star Wars. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. I think you all know where I'm going. It's it's the way he knows to drop the voice down or to stretch the silhouette. It's such a performance. It's such someone who's lived with this character for a long time. We saw with the Deborah Chow uh, directed him via Zoom for Kenobi where he's just like, mm, let me let me do this. And what, what, what about this? And, it, you know, I just love watching it work. This is why you and I both say we love this character because we love E. McDermott, but we also love to acknowledge he's evil at the center of it all. <laughs> it's this weird, weird mix. Uh, I'm even staring at the Palpatine, uh, the Emperor figure. I think you gifted me. It's still on my shelf. And I was thinking about that today. I was like, I love this figure. Why do I? Because he's bad. <laughs> but it's this kind of stuff. And and, and dear, what you're saying, I, to see how it works. And we're going to talk about the why, but just the how was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it it's a there's the, that image of shocking truth, which we'll talk about the image of that imperial horror mm-hmm. being broadcast across the Senate. Right. And this goes back to even like, you know, I, I used to have a stand up bit about, hey, uh, the Death Star was like a, a government program. How how did he manage that evil to be like, hey, I'd, I'd like to appropriate some funds for something called the Death Star, right? Yeah. And yeah. now we know it's a little bit more secret, but it's also that like, how how did he spin the militarism in, in the horror mm-hmm. of the Empire? And it raises that question when you see it, the, the image is right there. The horror of the Empire is right there. Yeah. And then the theatrical way he rises kind of speaks to that. I'm going to force the Senate and the government and the galaxy to kind of have two truths Mm -hmm. one where we pay lip service to the idea that the senate still has power and the senate is still voting and one where everybody knows the secret truth that i am the power the theatrics of the way he rises like a dictator and Mm -hmm. everybody hushes and he whispers and makes them lean in and kind of just tells them how to vote Right. Like they still have some power and maybe they could go against him and he doesn't need to manipulate that. All that stuff is true. But the way this is presented is such a we're going to all agree to the lie that this is still a democracy, even though it's called the empire. But then in every other facet, in the way I present myself, the theatrics of it, uh, the truth is that I'm the power. And we're not going to say it out loud, but we all know it. Right. 
the, the gears of democracy come to a grinding dramatic halt with those alarms. Yeah. And it, that really is the, the sh- <laughs> shut up evil daddy's coming and he gets to decide. Really, it is. Yeah. It was so, I mean, God, I don't want to say wonderful again. You know, everyone listening knows what I mean. And you know what yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? It just was like, you said jaw, jaw dropping. Or, yeah. I didn't have salmon on my English muffin, but I would have dropped <laughs> the salmon off the muffin in, in, in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I just recently got uh, the newly released vintage collect- collection Stormtrooper. So it's the original card, you know, mm-hmm. it just there, there's nothing more classic to me than the original Stormtrooper figure. And to see it being kind of the heart of this episode, like like I said, it was just it, it was it was really affecting. Yes, it was. Any uh, other uh, oohing and aahing about Palpatine or, or big picture thoughts that you wanted to share? No, I'm sure we'll come up again. But uh, yes, I, I think this is a, a shared experience with all of us Star Wars fans. Like we just love the Emperor. You shouldn't want to hear his point of view or root for him, but we do love having him around. No, I, I love the storytelling of him, and I love all of the sort of aspects in different ways that we might view an utterly corrupt, awful human yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in this wonderful character, wonderful performance. A final big picture thing for me is obviously there was a, a huge uh, uh, connection to the Clone Wars animated series with characters, locations, storytelling all continuing in this episode. But there's also like, um, so so people have watched the Clone Wars maybe more than once watched it in broadcast release sequence and been a little confused and then went oh okay and then watched it in actual chronological order and you know learned the weird backstory that uh, you know in the first couple seasons in particular that that Lucas would do kind of a, a flashier story and then in usually season three uh, he'd go actually I want to do a much more dense much more blatantly political prequel episode to that episode from season one or season two and watching these episodes, it just felt like embracing that storytelling that the yeah. first part of this two parter uh, feels like the prequel episode. Uh, Lucas would have gone back to tell in season mm-hmm. three of Clone Wars. The main characters aren't there. It's blatantly political. You know, there's some action, but not a ton. Uh, and then the the second episode is like the one that would have the more exciting one that would have been broadcast without as much setup you know in season one or two of clone wars i that's a great observation that would have been the the, the episode eight would have been episode one right back (laughs) back in the day on cartoon network or something and and no 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 shade to the way it had to be run the way it was run i just love that george had the ability to do that with his team and i think you're absolutely right and this first episode so funny we're talking we're about to get into some politics both in star wars maybe in real world but it was so fun to just have this roll call of political all-stars show up, even from Rogue One with Pamlo and Chuchi. And it was just like, yeah. it was fun to go back to those Clone Wars days of, uh, oh, but let's go, okay, let's go back to when the, the motion was put into uh, into play here in the, in the in the political arena. Loved it. Great observation. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was thrilling. And I and I think, you know, I love that Lucas said, like, hey, I can I can really do whatever I want. And I want to get into the real weeds of why did this happen? And, you know, I, I think that's valuable. So let's get into why things happened, how they happened uh, for you. What were what was the, the big idea? What's the big idea? What ideas were at stake in this episode? What were some of the main themes from your perspective? Well, it's the deal. Here's the thing. All right. So there's some things and I, and I can't wait to, and I might just pitch it back to you after I go here. I have a lot of things, you know, my notes, man, I, I should share my notes. And people would just be like, how does that turn into an episode? Cause they're just all over the spot. Um, <laughs> but I started with one. And I want to start here with it because before we uh, go into the themes, some of them that are actually stated, here's one that is completely 
stated, what's at stake in this episode and the big theme, all, at the center of all of it is fear, that Star Wars mm. standby. And the person most afraid is the Emperor to me. Mm. The fact that those alarms ring out shows that he is one playing his game. He's doing that Palpatine thing. You touched upon it. Like I've got a plan. Oh, yo, I need to adjust it. Or I got some backups. I got my contingencies. Great. That's Palpatine. It's one of the reasons we love rooting against him. Um, but to me, like I said earlier, this is one of the most powerful Palpatine appearances. And it's all based on his fear of losing control, fear of losing his power. And how does he twist and turn that to sell that to everyone? And it's something that you and I hit upon all the time, the selling of fear, including taking a truth or including taking something reasonable. Protection and safety is not a bad thing. I'm someone that believes that crime is real, but how you decide to fight it is very important and 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 very key to uh, the society at large. And so you got Palpatine taking all that stuff, taking this, uh, th- thank you for uncovering it, but it's, it's all this twisting and nodding it up to just, protect himself because he's afraid of losing it all. And literally he's at the center of the episode. Literally is the center of these two, two stories here. Uh, cowering in his own way in his office. He's not letting you know, and he's definitely powerful and he's definitely cocky and he definitely doesn't think he's going to ever lose it. But the center is what Bail Organa is saying. He's afraid and things are already starting to turn. He's already struggling to hold on to what he he's uh, earned in his own mind. And I just love that being the big theme behind it all. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really powerful. And I think, you know, that it, it's a continued thing with Palpatine of, of the real world uh, manipulation that, that has happened forever is, hey, if you want people to hand over their power, uh, make them feel strong by, by declaring that they're standing up against the scary other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what you're talking about is, okay, great. Sometimes you, you do need defense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh but who is the scary other? Is the scary other real <laughs> that we're, you know, trying to defend against? And the the scary other that's being presented in this episode is insurgents, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you break it down from all the other other episodes of the Bad Batch that we've seen, the tour of the galaxy under the Empire, uh, those are the people, right? Those are the people who are saying, we don't want the rules that you're inflicting on us. We don't want you to... Uh, terrorize our communities <laughs> and uh destroy our our planets and take resources against our will right that's the voice of the people yeah. that is being choked in the senate uh that's the scary other right and that's i think what palpatine is is afraid of right like you cannot let people think of any of the the pushback against the emperor empire that's happening is legitimate political discourse or the voice of the people that has to be scary others insurgents that can only be met with a massive military response and once i raise a military then it will become ingrained in the people that this is what's needed right and then years later you got that conversation that that we both love that you've brought up a lot in andor uh, you know, between the senators and the rich people mm-hmm. at the Mothma's party going like, well, yeah, but the empire, the empire and the emperor just provide security, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's, this is a critical moment where he needs that military to be the one and only true and always answer to anybody questioning him. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And that, that Mothma scene absolutely comes to mind. And, and again, taking some 
you know, reasoned, realistic needs, questions and everything about safety and protection and just spin it out and, and, and using it as a shield to hide what you're doing. And then how dare you question me? I, you know, I always, the, the Nicholson speech and, you know, a few good men always comes to mind. Um, you know, you sleep under the blanket of freedom I provide and question the way I provide it. I just had the, this conversation in the real world a couple of days ago. Hey there, ding, ding, ding. Our first real world reference here <laughs> of uh, someone saying, yeah, but you need men like me to protect you from guys like me. And I'm like, wow, what if we just didn't have any of you? <laughs> what if we just didn't have any of you? And again, I'm someone who believes uh, evil exists. So yeah, I get it. But then you continue, you have, you then are the one who decides who is the evil. Uh, and then when we question, well, was that person also evil like the one before? You, you, you turn away, turn away. There's nothing to see here. Don't question my methods. And that's some of the danger. And that's and 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 then it's easy to be like, well, you know, I am going to sleep safe tonight. So, okay, cool. Uh, I guess you got it. And and Palpatine loves that, and he's playing upon that. Rampart's playing upon that. Oh, I wish that were the case when he's talking to Senator Chuchi. Uh, but it's just, oh, it's so bad out there. So bad out there. Downtown Seattle is under out of control, Rampart and my mother. Uh, it's just like that stuff is at yep. play all through these episodes. Yep. Yep. I'm that solitary clone episode. I'm 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 forgetting the name of the, the planet, right? But that, that mm-hmm. planet wasn't a threat to anybody in the Republic. They just wanted to live their life on their planet, right? Yeah. And the boot came down. Uh, same thing with the Sereno at the beginning of the season, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on and on and on with with those examples. That's the story that's being presented in in the Bad Batch. Um, yeah. so I, I love starting with fear. I think uh, the the place that I started, which is uh, tied into it, is truth. Um, you know, it's right there in the title of the second episode, truth and mm-hmm. consequences. But I thought that was to me like the the big overall idea of like, OK, in this era truth matter well truth always matters right that's what our heroes seem to believe uh but in this era what is it what what will truth get you <laughs> mm-hmm. uh how how can you use truth to its inherent advantage um i think in, in terms of real world stuff this is obviously an era that we're in with different people just trying to say things uh more often louder uh, only getting information from particular sources, you know, I think all of us being a little guilty of not of retweeting headlines or mm-hmm. articles without reading them. Uh, and we're in a crisis of truth uh, mm-hmm. right now in the real world. So I think it landed even even harder. Uh, but for the way I saw it in this two episode arc, obviously the overall mission, what's literally at stake plot wise the entire time is just the truth that Camino was wiped out by the Empire that it wasn't even a precise military, an immoral precise (laughs) military strike on the cloning facilities, that it was genocide of a planet and a people, a huge, Mm -hmm. awful truth. Right. Um, But then there was, I think more layered versions of this, of uh, Ryu Chuchi uh, definitely presented as a, is a hero in this episode. And I believe that she is. Yeah. She presents a vision of what the Senate and what the government should be. Uh, Omega is always great, so great in that second episode as this sort of uh, fresh perspective on all of this. And and Chuchi gives her this truth of what the government should be in Omega mm-hmm. with this great fresh perspective, just like, uh, but but it's not that, right? That's not the truth you're clinging to is, is not literally true right now. That's a great idea. That's mm-hmm. what the Senate should be. 
and what government should be the voice of the people. Uh, but it's not right now. Um, uh, so I love that sort of hard look at truth too. It's not just the bad guys obscuring the truth of their bad act. It's, it's wrestling with the truths that we tell ourselves of like, we're holding up an ideal, an idea, but are we, is it true in, in, in practical terms? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and good on Rio Chuchi for, for your Rio Chuchi, uh, for continuing to fight for it and Bail Organa for continuing to fight for it. Um, but yeah. then the events of this episode show that it's not it. And, and I, I love the Chuchi, like, you know, uh, practically like she's some, uh, you know, cartoon bill singing about the way government works, schoolhouse rock, uh, describing, uh, the Senate as we serve the galaxy. We act as the voice of the people cut to seconds later, Omega looking out at the pods mm. and saying, which one belongs to the clones, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, to Chuchi's credit, she's aware that it is wrong, but yeah. the fact that a massive, uh, millions of living beings don't have representation means that the yeah. Senate isn't living up to what Chuchi wants it to be. A government for the people, by the people, uh, not you, not you, not you, which has been scattered throughout the history. And and uh, and, and that's something, yeah, uh, I like what you're saying here. Uh, it is the truth. Truth is a hot potato and everyone's <laughs> got it and they're passing it around and they're trying to either make it real with, or manipulate it uh so i love that that's at the center of this absolutely yeah so it raises this idea of of truth from lots of perspectives and i think really does a great job um i never like the word manipulating (laughs) to use against the manipulating the audience but uh but playing on our expectations in a great way of like Mm -hmm. well we know the 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 bad batch in in rex and chuchi can't kind of win right uh the stormtroopers are coming so how is this going to play out? And you, I at least kind of expected the like, oh, the truth doesn't get there or it gets corrupted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved what actually happened that that Palpatine welcomes the truth because he can always find a lie <laughs> yeah. in the truth. Right. And I thought this that was really powerful. That that was the twist of this arc, the point of this arc, uh, the the button but it made it even more emotionally dev- devastating mm-hmm. that he blames the clones for the destruction of their home and particularly uses um, the very degradation that he forced on them is evidence of yeah. their corruption, right? Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's not quite a whataboutism. <laughs> it's more <laughs> like a successful deflection of like, mm-hmm. you're right, that, awful thing did happen that i did but honestly when you think about it didn't they do it like Mm -hmm. obviously it's not as clear as that because he's manipulating the truth but his quote the fact that the clones under his command so blindly followed orders inflicting such carnage without hesitation gives me pause is just a heart punch right after we've been spending so much time with different clones wrestling with who they want to be wrestling with the, the honor of fulfilling their purpose of defending the Republic. And the best way to do that is to follow orders and, you know, Cody's torture of trying to be, you know, a a good soldier, all Mm. of their torture. And then to see it just defecated on Mm. by Palpatine in his chess move is, you know, incredibly powerful moment for the whole journey of the clones. Yeah, no, well, well said, wrapping uh, all that up into the, the, this this heartbreaking moment and, and how Palpatine, to me, uh, 
in a, in a ways t- takes it. Number one takes the truth with what we're talking about, but takes maybe your passions, your desire to help and goes, Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Padme, you should go back to Naboo. Yes, absolutely. That, I totally support that. And I'm going to take that and use that desire to help against you. And I'm going to find ways to do it. And it's heartbreaking because it's heartbreaking. And in our own world, it's heartbreaking here in star Wars. Uh, you had a lot to talk about, about the clones, their identity. Um, mm-hmm. But but to say going back to what you're saying about planar expectations, I thought that's why it was beautiful to have a, a character like Omega just kind of be there to number one. Okay, well, like you're saying, well, where's where's our representation? Number one, and seeing how it real works, but just have that. There's that look of hope in her face, right? She's so young and hopeful, uh, not naive, young and hopeful. Uh, don't confuse the two. But uh, and to see suddenly it twist and and you and you cut to her face, mm-hmm. you know, among others, Bale, everyone. Bale's probably like, ah, Sheev, not again. But Omega's got this, like, we have, oh, we didn't have it. Oh, my God. And I just thought that that really was a, a great use of that character, that moment, and, and and what it was trying to do and say. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing, seeing Palpatine through Omega's eyes, we saw that clip of it in, in the trailer. I wonder, how is this going to happen? The way she just instinctively retreats into the shadows at the sight of him, you yeah. know? Uh, absolutely beautiful stuff. But, yeah, seeing the heartbreak of of the okay i'm i'm being raised by by you know uh four or more dads and now some moms uh maternal figures who uh who know the score know know that everything isn't you know all sunset and roses um but still having to really face the like oh sometimes truth doesn't matter and i think that's one of the other powerful moments to me about the idea of truth to see you know after years of living with the clones in the clone wars uh to see rex and the bad batch you know know the truth of palpatine he was one step ahead of us during the war and he's several steps ahead of us now and on top of that just sort of canon like oh they they know what they know what palpatine is they know what he's up to they know what he did to them during the war um i love the kind of heartbreaking realization for the entire Bad Batch, but particularly for Omega, that it isn't as easy as just showing people the truth. It's about getting people to believe it, not spin it, embrace the full horror of it. And I think that is, you know, a a thing that does make me think of of our own uh, troubled times of, I think Mm -hmm. I grew up at times with innocence of like, well, but if the nefarious things are revealed... If you catch, you know, a person on a hot mic saying the truly awful thing and the truth just gets out, then the sunlight shall break through. And, and <laughs> we, we have, <laughs> right? it's so much more complicated than that. People want to protect their own power. So they make excuses for it or, you know, people don't want to face the full horror. You know, some of the mm-hmm. things that are happening right now are things that have happened previously. We know where they're going. Mm-hmm. freedoms are being taken away people are being othered and set up for hate and and violence and it's still hard to go hey that's happening because people don't want to embrace the full horror of it by looking at it in its entirety and seeing the full truth of it means embracing how incredibly frightening that is how scary it is right and i feel like there's an element of that too where the this is me putting some headcanon into it but the senators in those pods isn't it a relief to go yeah rampart did it and he's arrested what's mm. for lunch yeah it's yeah. done it's put in a box you know yeah how much more horrible to be bail to be choochie to live with 
yeah, no, it wasn't Rampart, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, no, this is great stuff too. And, and, and tying it, uh, without specifics into the real world, I, you, you talk often of the, of the crisis of truth. I think it's a great way to look at it in a real world and in Star Wars, but you know, here's Palpatine on this pulpit saying, and you know what, now that I thought, thought about it, those clones did follow those orders pretty easily, right? It's like you want to tweet out, dude, order 66, man. <laughs> because they're your orders, yeah. Your orders. So what does that mean about what you said? I saw some tweets uh, just this week of stuff like that of, uh, how dare this? Well, who was in charge when that was put into place? What are you doing? What is, what do you, and now people are going to believe your version of it. And it's just maddening. It's maddening. And here you got just this smooth criminal up there going, you know, now that you all mention it. Well, we didn't mention it. We didn't mention it in that of those terms. We, it's 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 frustrating. Uh, but also um, how this episode handled it was uh, important, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I love Omega's just very earnest. But we did the right thing. We told the truth. And Hunter says, and he twisted it to his advantage, you know. And it's just mm-hmm. this sort of acceptance of this is a part of this era that it is, it, it's, it's really, really murky. And sometimes even the truth is not going to shine a bright enough light to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uplifting stuff. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> What's funny is you and I are recording this episode on the same day we're recording one of our databank dives. So it is truly, we understand out there sometimes when you just want to talk about silly things in Star Wars, uh, you should do that as well. Cause it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, little, it's a little real. We'll get some silly coming. Yeah. And I'm kind of joking because obviously this is a really, really dark time in uh, the galaxy. But I think the story being told with, you know, uh, Echo and Rex and the Bad Batch themselves and in Omega's joy Mm -hmm. um, that it really is a powerful like, hey, the the light never does go out. You know, you you can choose to to keep pushing Mm -hmm. back in the dark times. Indeed. So what are what are some other thematic ideas uh, for you? Well, you talk about pushing back in darker times, and that talks uh, to me, speaks about and talks about the power of actions you can take. I uh, mm. love uh, where we start. Um, love, uh, I love uh, you know, Andor and 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 this show both do a good job of beginning important stories in uh, quiet, murky bars and cities, right? Uh, <laughs> so I love where we go and. Slipping cad talking, and there's nothing we can do about it. Let it go. And that starts uh, uh, this, this whole conversation about actions. And for me, sometimes the actions are as simple as just acknowledging things in your heart, in your soul, in yourself. And there you can go go on from there. Where even if, uh, you know, this is one of the things I've had a little problem with, with like the world of comedy or just the digital media space of, I have no problem talking about Batman. I have no problem about talking about Star Wars. Uh, but when I shut my heart out to anything else in the real world and I just don't want to get serious or just don't want to acknowledge it, I'm not taking any actions. The actions do, do begin with you. And then they go on out. And then if you want to run for office or you want to tweet something out or you want to support something or you want to you know, start a revolution or whatever it is here going on in Star Wars, uh, you have Slip kind of um, telling Cad just – there's nothing we can do. That that is that is inaction and apathy. And and you and I, I think, are both going to mention this quote. So let's just put it on the table now because I think I think it's the end of this uh, this little discussion here, or taking us to the bigger point. Senator Chucci's quote about curious how speaking up for what's right has become an act that causes a stir, unlike inaction, apathy, or ignorance. This is in a conversation with with Bail Organa. That's one of those stop 
I've got to write that down. I've got to make sure I get it word for word <laughs> and not, uh, you know, say it to everyone else in my real life because <laughs> it's, it was really powerful. And you could tell uh, there's some stuff going on there. And, and this is, everyone's here taking, we're going to get to the echo stuff. There's actions and finally making this mm-hmm. choice. And um, there's some emotional stuff behind the echo thing that I thought they, they handled well. And then you can get the, what you do with those actions. There's some stuff I want to talk about, but you know, we got this wonderful conversation with clone rights, mm-hmm. the rights of the unrep- under, under, unrepresented and the underrepresented. Um, but what I loved about that is, is in, in taking that action, Chuchi also, it's, it's one of my personal favorite things of trying to understand the needs. So I'm not just, I'm not just a scream for you. I'm going to scream with you. And yes. I want to know what that means. And I want to know what you need from me. And what, what's your fears about it? what? And I thought that was a powerful moment. It just takes, makes the actions more stronger, but all those actions go back to the start of these episodes with the bar of just some, someone saying enough mm-hmm. and someone being aware. And that's the start of action. Yeah, no, I, I love everything you're saying. I think that, that uh, quote by, by, Rio Chuchi is sort of uh, evergreen, <laughs> but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but speaks to I think why sometimes people don't you know talk about what is truly on their mind or or like you're saying convince themselves to remain quiet right mm-hmm. uh, because hey if you speak up these uh, people are going to shout you down you know yeah uh, and blame you you know it's the like hey I don't I don't want to bring up politics you know at thanksgiving dinner either it's not fun right Mm -hmm. um but at the same time it's that that energy of like you're the problem for saying something true is you know uh, is it it it, sometimes it can just be a polite agreement not today not now (laughs) nobody's mind is going to be changed in this setting great that's a polite Mm -hmm. agreement but this sort of larger you are the one who's causing a problem by pointing out a problem Mm-hmm. is such an effective tool to silence um, people who are, who are speaking out uh, for change mm-hmm. to advocate, to, you know, uh, you know, reveal, discuss, address the fact that bad things are happening. Right. And that, that yeah. was, that was particularly powerful. It, the delivery, the line is strongly written. The delivery was strong. And I think it's, you know, we're living in an age right now where, you know, we have literal bots to shout us down, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and like, hey, if you want to speak the truth uh, the, on social media, that's fine. But then you're going to be harassed. It's going to take your day, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 you know, and that's just one kind of day to day example that that I wrestle with, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it, it I think it, it echoes out in lots of different ways. It, re- it really does. It really does. And those words, inaction, apathy or, or, or ignorance. Um, mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very specifically. Yeah. And I kind of thought of some of the the stuff that you're discussing um, from this big picture perspective of the Bad Batch show of this ongoing question of uh, what's your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Clones yeah. who've been stripped of their purpose. Now, who are they going to be? That's been an ongoing thing with the whole show. We've talked about it with individual episodes. Uh, Caden Slip definitely... Um, Set set the tone right that this is a question of who who are the clones going to become? Uh, you know what are they? Uh, Caden Slip at least have the strength to say that those orders were wrong. That that was not defense of the Republic. That was not their purpose. That's not what the clones were created for. That was slaughter. That was genocide. Right? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really powerful when Cade said Slip were not bad men. 
but what we did was wrong. Yeah. That, that first step to say, okay, I'm going to break through the manipulation. I'm going to break through that. A good soldier follows orders. Mm -hmm. BS. Uh, I am a good soldier and those orders were wrong. So I'm not, you know, saying, uh, soldiers are bad. I'm not saying the clones should have never been made. I'm saying we were asked to do something that was wrong, separating it from what Palpatine ends up doing is blaming it on them, blaming it on their identity. When mm-hmm. he's like, no, there's nothing wrong with our identity. It's that we were asked by someone else to take an action that we shouldn't. And by separating kind of identity and action in that way, you know, uh, advocating for himself. Yeah, I thought it was a wonderful moment. I'm glad you're bringing it up here. And this is a great spot to, to bring it in because I think there's such great truth in that. Um, we, we're, we're good men, right? We're, and, and, and following orders comes up again a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. from saying we were following orders, to, you know, come on, we were following orders. Uh, and, and to Rampart, <laughs> I was following orders. I was following Just orders. following orders, yeah. Uh, all that, but I, 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 I think it's uh, an important component to change is those who are, in fact, good, but inside of something that is bad. What are you going to do about it? What is your action? And what, who are you within that? I think that then goes, you know, all wonderful stuff with the clones and their identity. Bad Batch is still, you know, struggling with some of their identity. We get to the Echo stuff. Um, you got politicians maybe struggling with their identity. What am I? Am I am I one of the good ones in a bad system? And what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good conversation to start with these clones. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. And I think it, it this question of uh, what's your purpose? Who are you going to be? What action are you going to take? You know, what defines you? Uh, mm-hmm. Continues with your clones. You know, I, I really like that we had the the assassin clone uh, clinging to the identity of being a soldier. You know, didn't repeat the mantra of uh, good soldiers follow orders, uh, mm-hmm. but ha- kind of came at it from a slightly different perspective. And and you know, he he he, he insults Rex, and Rex says he calls Rex limited, right? And Rex yeah. says, "What does that make you?" And he says, "A believer," right? Mm-hmm. So we get this picture that he's just, he's clinging to the dogma. He doesn't want to have to change. He doesn't want to have to question. He will do anything to not have to question uh, or accept change, similar to Crosshair. Um, even the, the clones who aren't, you know, assassins <laughs> running around trying to murder senators, you know, those clones at the bar, I, I love the the understandably frustrated, angry clone in front when Chuchi's asking, you know, what do they want? What do they need? And he says, I need to stay a trooper. Can you make that happen? You know, it's not wanting to have to go through this hard process of, of change and and face the future. Right. Uh, But Chuchi puts that to him exactly. And it goes to what you're saying about, about choosing Mm -hmm. Uh, where she says, you get, you basically, you know, you're not going to be soldiers forever. Uh, You get to choose what your lives will be. Um, and I think then that to me dovetails into everything going on with Echo, right? Um, we see Rex, uh, that Rex is somebody who knows his place and his purpose. He says, more and more of our clone brothers are waking up to what's been done to them. I can't turn my back on them. Rex is solid right now. He knows who he is and what he's doing and why he's, he's, uh, made the choice for his new purpose. Uh, and I think that was a great emotional scene with Echo and Omega to set everything up that Echo in his heart knows his purpose and his place. It's to help. And he, he says he originally came to the Bad Batch because uh, this was where I fit, where I was needed. Mm. And this adventure helping him accept. I understand that the Bad Batch's heart is in the right place, but Hunter's going to keep dragging his feet. 
this isn't the right place for me, Matt. Now, even though it's my family, my squad, even though I love them, I need to be with Rex because that's my purpose. He's making such a definitive choice about where he needs to help and, and where he's needed the most. Yeah, I think it's a, it, it builds wonderfully uh, uh, on some of the stuff in previous episodes. I'm thinking of uh, particularly tech and uh, rat racing. You you had talked uh, wonderfully about you know knowing yourself and the skills that you bring to a situation provides a certain kind of freedom and uh, identity and all those things. So it's, it's like you build on that. You build on that with Echo for me and and to what who, who am I? What am I doing? What are my actions? And going to where you're needed. Echo is finding his next purpose is what I wrote down. And it's, and, and it's an ongoing purpose. You're talking about Rex right where he is. And we, we know where Rex is going to end up and something's going to happen to him. And he's off a little bit different and he's always, always knows who he is, but I think he, he knows enough to, to, to where am I needed next? And that's about growth. That's about change. That's about facing down fear. I think it's very easy to be go, cool. I, I, I changed. That's it. Thank you. And, and I love some of the implied tension between Echo and Hunter and then the very overt uh, understanding and, and, and compassion that Hunter has for Echo and where he's going next. And Echo ain't going, well, where are you going? Like, why aren't you with me? They're, they're just, there's, this is where we're needed now. This is how you um, fight now. This is what your actions are leading to you now. And when it's a continued uh, process. And I thought that was really great with Echo. Building from his need for connection. He knows himself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm someone that I could spend four days in complete silence and be good. Echo knows I've had enough of that. That's not me. That's not what I bring to this. And I know where I need to go and connection and helping those like me who I'm now in a position of power to do so. I'm going to do it. And the other, you'll either get there or maybe you don't. Maybe, Hunter, you continue doing what you do, where you do it. But this is where I got to go. Yeah. And, and I, I I really love what you're saying. I really love the implication that that Echo and Hunter had a heart to heart about it, right? Um, because that's the way, you know, he's not making this announcement. Everybody already knows except for Omega and the way it starts with Hunter and Hunter says, you know, remember what I said, um, which I'm, you know, I'm, I think that will obviously, uh, play out some more. Uh, I thought it was a great connection to the top where, where Rex of the second episode where Rex calls with the mission and Hunter is understandably concerned (laughs) about going into the belly of the beast. And there's, uh, there's no discussion. Echo just says we're on our way. You know, mm-hmm. and I can see that Hunter being like, uh, hey, uh, Echo <laughs> yep. and Echo going, I, I got to go, man. I understand you're trying to keep the kids safe, keep the family safe, but I, I can't be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that moment. Yeah. And again, I, I think I, I, we say this a lot about Echo. I know I say this a lot about Echo of just or excuse me, Hunter of just like, hey, 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 you know, sometimes he's bringing up a valid concern. <laughs> sometimes, hey. you know. Almost but. all of his concerns are valid. I think it's yeah, just, yeah. you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, um, it's kind of dovetails into one of the other big picture ideas. Uh, you know, it, it is something that I think is a, a truth of Star Wars, but you have uh, phrased it really well of light side builds, dark side destroys. Um, and I think that was one of the, the things at play. It's such a, a common Star Wars theme, but I thought we really got to see some of these sort of uh, agents of uh, of the light, not the literal light side of the force, but in mm-hmm. that metaphor within Star Wars, right? Of mm-hmm. of Chuchi truly wanting to help, as you said, going to the clones to listen, and also great uh, detail. These episodes are packed full of details that she's having a drink too, right? She's got a drink in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, um, uh, you know, this this is her like, you know, early 20th century. I'm gonna get on the train and I'm gonna go to every community, like it. <laughs> It, there's a there's a politicalness to it, but there's also a sincerity, right? Of yeah. 
I, it's wrong that you don't have representation. It's wrong that you would just be decommissioned and you sent somewhere with nothing, right? Uh, that ties to some real world stuff about issues of how well uh, uh, we are taking care of those who have served, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it's reaching out, it's connection, it's building, right? Um, yeah. Echo is clearly I- I- an agent of the light side in these episodes. He absolutely needs to help. Um, the needing to not be alone after Skako Minor is great, like you're talking about. But, but in particular, everything with Echo kind of being, uh, I thought I was alone. I thought I was done. I thought no one cared or would ever uh, come for me. Right. And you all did. And so I'm going to spend the rest of my life believing in that and paying my own rescue forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that's it, it. It's about connection, literally not wanting to be alone. And then you you contrast that with some of the the dark side stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, the the horror of what was done to Camino uh, that they blamed it on a storm. They blamed nature instead of their own, you know, mechanical slaughter. Um, mm-hmm the ongoing story of the the greed of the senators uh, uh from the banking clan and the commerce guild those are the two senators uh who are who are advocating for uh, vociferously for the stormtrooper program and are dragging their feet about spending money on providing for the clones right uh that is a- about selfishness destroying but in particular right um we see a couple of people destroyed by the machinery of the empire that they sided with this mm-hmm. and were destroyed by it. Right. Um, uh, Hallie Bertoni, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk about the canon thing, but you know, from the clone wars, she's in the episodes where uh, she is fighting Padme and other senators attempt to deescalate and resume talks with mm-hmm. uh, the separatists because greedily she wants the money from more clone production and how did that work out she mm-hmm. was destroyed by it right she's got that great line about lama su where she says uh lama su is too confident the clones were a necessity to the empire but none of us are mm-hmm. uh, smash cut to rampart being thrown under the at at right mm-hmm. you know uh, and having to shout i was following orders right um it, it, it's mm-hmm. this we've seen it again and again but it was particularly powerful in this episode the contrast between the the heroes trying to help, trying to listen, trying to build together in the people who are uh, greedy, selfish, benefiting from the cruelty of the machinery uh, are getting eaten and run over by the machinery. Yeah, uh, absolutely a good example of, of light side builds, dark side destroy all the way through. By the way, I think Ramport learned the Dooku lesson about Palpatine and power, right? <laughs> I, think, I think that looked in his face. Um, we've seen that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, because you know you got this great little heartfelt, uh, impassioned, uh, impassioned moment from from Omega. I saw the Empire destroy everything, and I'm angry what they did. It's not right. Uh, love Bertoni's line. Uh, love everything you're saying about uh, uh, that, and and it all makes me think of we got this great moment in the episode of Omega meditating, like uh, like Gunji taught her, right? And that does mm-hmm. not mean, and she, you know, she's not quite there. She can't get. Uh, it doesn't mean she's force sensitive or doesn't mean she can't, it, it's not a force thing, right? It's a mm-hmm. light side thing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that says, I'm just trying to connect and, and how the light side maybe isn't uh, rooting for one side here. It's just there and you either go to it or you go away from it. And it drives a lot of what Omega's doing. We constantly see that all the way through. And, and I love that. And, and it all kind of syncs up. 
And and there's just tragedy. Bertone just kind of, I mean, she's one of the last of her people, right? Mm-hmm. And she's still kind of fighting it. She still has to kind of be convinced to be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's the truth. Yeah. That's not good. Like, wow. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, it, it's vicious. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I think it has, you know, also some real world, uh, implications right now where you know uh, there's a lot of uh, people who are spouting uh talking points that are uh, founded on anger and conflict and what do you know all those people who were allies in speaking about anger and conflict are angry at one another and in conflict with one another mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um yeah. For me, last big, big idea, um, which I think is a, a central idea of the Bad Batch as well, is, but was represented in this episode, is just this idea of home. Um, mm. it, it was mentioned multiple times that Camino was home to the clones. It wasn't, you know, the lab where they were born. It was home. Uh, Camino was our home and we destroyed it, says Cade. Uh, Omega, in that quote, you're saying, this is my home. And, you know, I was there and I'm angry. Mm. Um, and after the the absolute you know dark political thriller of the first episode we start the second episode and we see this happy home on the marauder of them napping and gonky's back and he's honking and omega's yeah. trying to meditate and we see that that just like a deep breath and a sigh and ah home right somewhere safe and surrounded you know um and, and then i think that that idea of home is explored in an interesting way when uh, Omega is kind of given the definition of course on it's it's the heart of the empire it's it's the home of the galaxy's government it's it's a home uh, in a way and it's not a warm happy friendly place at all right um and then I think the the idea of home you know continues with you know echoes amazing painful sadness at uh one of her dad's echo leaving saying but but we're a squad you know um but I also think, uh, much like with uh, Fee Genoa, uh, there are these maternal presences that Echo is connecting with, learning from. You know, there's a real connection there where real promises, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Omega, that she will keep trying to make things right for the clones. So all these interesting ideas of, of home and connection. Yeah, and it's about that connection. It's about that base, not necessarily literal or literal base, but just having that that spot to go, the feel of support. Uh, and when you're adrift, man, that can um, that can be dangerous. And and that's why I love a lot of stuff too with Echo. Why he's choosing to do what he's doing. I found a home. I'm going to bring it to others too. Um, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure that we will follow more of uh, Echo's story in this season. How do you feel about that? I, I I love it as a cliffhanger, right? It's not one I was expecting. I expected some sort of mid-season event that's going to have, have some questions about what's coming. I, I didn't expect that. And not that I didn't expect Echo eventually to make a decision like this. But I, I don't mean it from like like a canon checklist or anything like that or, or a plot chart of, of predictions. I just mean I was like, wow, that I don't know what they're going to do. And I can't wait to see it. And it was small and emotional. In, a, in an episode, it's about big, giant actions. This was just this very simple, powerful action and choice. And that's leading to some, hopefully, um, a successful missions down the line here. Yeah. Yeah. One would hope. One would hope. Any other big picture ideas for you? Uh, we got them all. The only, yeah. No, I think that's, let me scroll, scroll, scroll. <laughs> oh, we got them. 
Yeah, so much to talk about. Uh, we are now going to take a quick break, and then we'll dive into some of the action moments, some of the comedy moments, some of the intriguing canon stuff, all that in a moment. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And 
we are back to continue our discussion of Season 2, Episodes 7 and 8 of The Bad Batch. We've talked a lot of the big ideas. I'm sure they will pop up again as we talk the action, the comedy, the canon, and more. Let's start with action, Ken. Did you have any favorite action moments in these uh, political thriller episodes? I did. I will say this, though. I've seen both these episodes three times at the time of this recording, and there was one viewing where I Made some soup. You and I seem to be both talking about soup a lot lately. Made another soup. Made some bread. Some vegan avocado oil butter. And was like, I, <laughs> all over that bread. And I was like, I'm watching these two episodes. I'd already seen them once. I'm watching them for action and comedy moments, right? This is mm-hmm. those parts of the notes. I'm like, I'm not worried about themes. I'm going to watch this stuff. I had nothing at the end of it. I had to go back because, of, number one, I was pulled into the stories. They're that damn good. But two, I felt even weird. So I do have some choices, but I just want to preface it by saying, even when, I, when I'm like, yeah, I like this. I'm like, man, but that, uh, I don't, am I celebrating the assassination at that point? Like, what, am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? So that said, uh, having some fun though, as, as, as we can with these episodes, I, I just want to start in terms of action. I just want to talk about the clone assassin. I thought it was mm-hmm. a great design. I love the the sound design. They even got, you know, you get the sound production with like even the, 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 the clicking of the weapons as he's moving around. It's so good. So detailed. And just the action was uh, in uh, the design for me. Uh, it was just like he shows up on screen even after he, you know, he does the first shot, but he shows up with with Rampart. It's like this is an action figure in action doing bad things, and I and I liked it in a weird Star Wars way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought the design was great, and I think it did. It, it played on audience expectations too, of like, ooh, well, who is this new bounty hunter? Why isn't this a bounty hunter we know? Why isn't it Crosshair? Right, and, and set us up for that. Uh, yep. Really well, and and yep. with the sound design, it had some great classic bounty hunter sound, but also did disguise the you know very recognizable clone voice well. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I had some action moments that were like, okay, well, I'm happy that this action happened, so fist pumping yes. and good, and and then some like, I'm not happy that that happened, but it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, first one for me is a uh, slips escape on the speeder, uh, the using mm-hmm. it as cover and then jumping on it in midair was just yeah. you know you know we've seen this in a, a million times of the the sniper from above and you know how how is the person going to get out but just really kind of using the unique and cool uh science fiction space fantasy environment of course on to make it cool and then just merge into the traffic that was awesome yeah i did love, i did love that a lot absolutely yeah uh and then i went to uh rex's entrance from the shadows uh stunning away he's um <laughs> i just he, he, he kind of knew it was rex i think uh sure. but still to see it from chuchi's perspective of you know the the scary person in the hood i love his action yeah <laughs> uh, infiltration yeah. hood that he wears on Coruscant. Uh, yeah so j- just his entrance was great it was a real star wars reveal I, I love that yeah it really was and then i i did not like uh the action of uh the the poor misled clone uh <laughs> binding down on uh, uh, his electro cyanide tooth uh or whatever uh the databank will eventually tell us that is um but i did like that the the suddenness of that action the horror of that action um and the fact that it just went to the cliffhanger from there of like it it at, at first i was like okay this is a really standard political thriller beat right Mm. but it was sort of elevated for me by the fact that it was rex having to continually face this you know the clones have been shattered from their purpose and some of us are running from it uh, or or trying to find new purpose and some of us are desperately twisting ourselves into into knots to cling 
to the mm-hmm. past to the point where we're willing to really die over it. And then the fact that it just was a cliffhanger, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was just like, this is really, really awful. And, you know, uh, it wasn't see you next week because it was released at the same time. But it was great that that was just the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good beat to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So uh, I only have a couple from the second episode. Do you have any more from either the first or the second episode? Yeah, I do. Uh, I want to shout out uh, the uh, guard, Chuchi's guard. Uh, uh, well, first, the first one goes, rest in peace. But the second one uh, also goes, but takes that shot and keeps on. What, yeah. what, a, what an executive protector there. Just, uh, <laughs> just keeping with the mission there. So I like that one there. And uh, I think uh, you and I both um, – you know, we appreciate a lot of records moments. He has that shoulder blocks on two clones uh, later on. In the <laughs> and I just like the whole sequence of, uh, mentioned it up at the very top, but sneaking under the speeder. They got the whole, hey, we just make this up as we go along kind of vibe. And and that's how we're getting through it. And, and just you know, sneaking under that, uh, that, that speeder with Wrecker, uh, Fred Heights was a fun uh, moment. A little whimsy, but a uh, fun action moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. The record uh, double shoulder checking uh, two clones was, yeah, that's that was great. Uh, final one for me is uh, it, it is Palpatine's rides. It's it is kind of in in uh, it's not a traditional action moment. It's not a chase scene or a lightsaber fight. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved we talked about so many aspects that we loved, but I loved that it it did feel like so huge that something was breaking, something was shifting, and like I said, I just loved that Omega's instinct is to get farther back into the shadows. It's just, yeah. it, it makes you feel that even people who aren't like, Oh yes, I'm force sensitive. I'm first force aware. It's just like, mm-hmm. th- there's no subtlety to what this guy is ultimately. Well, yeah, again, you got her meditating and trying to go towards the light, whether she really understands that or not. And then you got her completely understanding what this is, even if she can't say it or express it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because it's just, it's the way I think we learn things. We we pick up on, like, you know, if if you're, you're, you're used to being around your parents and then, you know, somebody who's a problem comes into the room and your parents act differently. And you sense that as a kid, right? And you know that this guy is not right. And she's sensing all those things. Yeah, indeed. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's it for me for Action Moments. Uh, shall we move on to the comedy, the whimsy, and the weirdness? I did just, well, I do want to shout out oh, yeah. what, I, what I called good old file transfer tension. <laughs> you just mentioned like the political thriller stuff with the side eye caps and everything, but just like I love just even in office space, can you shut your computer down before Lumberg asked you to work the weekend? Like just that tension, just that tension of the files the transferring. Love that. Well, I hope that's who takes Rampart's place is the is the big bad and bad batch is uh, Admiral uh, Lumberg. Lumberg, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, that's a great moment of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. So there was a moment uh, I I saw the, on my first viewing, and then I was I was got too engrossed, and I missed it. I believe there's a shot when the Bad Batch is leaving at one point uh, where Wrecker's kind of in the back of the cockpit, and he's just eating soup. And it, it you know, we've been talking about soup a lot. Wrecker's your guy, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this is this is made for Ken. So I got to scrub through the episode again. I think uh, really I, celebrate that moment where records just ah, everybody else is on a mission. I'm eating soup. Hey, that's me. I'm going to eat soup. And I'm going to eat soup fast. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> a lot of slurping, a lot of slurping. What were some moments of a uh, comedy whimsy or weirdness that you enjoyed? I mean, look, not a lot, right? Not a lot. Uh, all the way through pretty tense episodes. Uh, there's a tech line, but I, you, you've got, you, you're, you're the tech guy. So I'm going to let you say it. I, I like um, Omega's glare at Rampart. 
when they meet in oh, the hallways, yeah. when she's a choo-choo and he's walking around with, with the good old Masamita, who we haven't talked about enough yet. Well, I'm sure we'll get there, Canon. But um, she, she's just got a great glare. Love. Oh, yeah. No, it, it um, the way it was animated, it felt like it was tying back a little bit to the uh, great and infamous uh, Daniel Logan story mm. of... Yes. Luke is trying to get him to look uh, at Obi-Wan with a kind of a suspicion, dislike, and uh, Daniel Logan not quite being able to get it. And Ewan McGregor uh, leaning down to him and says, hey, when the door opens, just uh, uh, pretend I've just released massive <laughs> gas. And that's the shot that's in the film. And, you know, Daniel Logan and Ewan McGregor both love telling this story at mm-hmm. conventions. I think I've heard it uh, three or four times. And there's something about her face that is a little bit the way that Boba Fett looks at at Obi-Wan when she looks at Rampart. I think you're right. There you go. That's my head cannon now. <laughs> Some good cannon. Yeah, I uh my my comedy whimsy and weirdness from the first episode is nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh there's some animation moments, some acting choices, you know, both in the animation and in the voice performance that is great. But yeah, uh it it's great because it's pretty thrilling, pretty dark. Uh but in the second episode, yeah, the the Omega learning meditation from from Gunji, just that she did, right? And that she's trying, you know. Uh, it's just uh, continues her great journey of really being open to the galaxy, open to new ideas, wanting to understand joy, wonder, calm, at peace. What can I learn from different people, from different cultures? It's just so great across the board. Love that. Oh, great moment. Uh, another great comedy moment with... Uh, <laughs> Omega's enthusiasm is when Rex introduces the Bad Batch to Chuchu and like uh, these are the the clones I told you about and we get that uh, relatively rare in Star Wars point of view shot of Rio looking up at Wrecker <laughs> and mm. then down at Omega and Omega's real real friendly hello yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great Everyone. point of view shot to just put you in in Chuchu's shoes of like these are such high stakes this is such a dark time yeah. wow these clones are <laughs> this is who you brought me okay <laughs> alright okay great Great little uh, little camera comedy. I like that. Yep, yep. So that was a big one for me. Uh, other uh, others for you. Uh, just the tech stuff. There's there's the yeah. uh, the line is uh, that I love was uh, that will not be a problem when they're trying to get Omega into the the, the Senate chamber. And it's like, oh, he's a code breaker too. He could, he maybe he could get into uh, you know Snoke's boudoir. Yeah, yeah. Maz Kanata never met Tech. I, yeah. I'm just assuming that Tech is still alive. That he's yes. going to live forever. He, he, he is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, I, I actually did love is the action moment using the escape pods, you know, just mm-hmm. to as launching devices. And yes, the great tech line of uh, I was off by 6.4 meters. Not my best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, even analytical in his self-criticism, which uh, yeah. relatable, very, very relatable. And all of records looking down stuff. I think that's great. Uh, you know, continuation of his, uh, you know, not looking down, not looking down. This is him better. All great stuff. with Rick. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's get into a bit of canon. Uh, this is uh, one quick thing that I wanted to throw out here. Um, that sh- I don't know, maybe for some people it's not their favorite, but I-, I-, I bring it up again because of the ongoing conversation that happens about whether or not Star Wars is political. Uh, as always, I-, I really get wanting to spend some time with Star Wars That's uh, for escapism. Uh, and wonder and taking a break uh, from the the difficulties of real life politics. I get that. But uh, just as a reminder that it's baked in, (laughs) Uh, Mm. Luke has pretty famously named uh, some of 
the uh, greedy corporate figures after real life politicians, right? Um, I think in this, uh, Halliburton,i sure sounds a lot like Halliburton. Uh, you know, a um, a military provider that has political influence. And what is Halliburton's story? Uh, she came from a planet that provided military and then used that to get a seat in the Senate where she now has the power to constantly vote and lobby that the government should pay her more money. Um, so Hallie Bertoni's presence made me think of this. I was just looking up which senator is which, right, um, in the credits. Uh, and uh, the Ishi Tib senator, who's clearly been uh, placed as the, the new puppet to be in charge of the, the banking clan, who also has Senate representation, um, in the credits, he's Senator Reduli. Uh, but I, I Googled him, and he's already up on the uh, StarWars.com databank, and his name is Ghani Reduli, which, if you look at it uh, for a second, pretty quickly end up at Rudy Giuliani. Uh, <laughs> So just wanted to point out that this is a long-standing thing with yeah. this storytelling in Star Wars, started mm -hmm. by George Lucas himself. And uh, in my opinion, I got no facts. I'm just looking at uh, this evidence and coming yeah. to a conclusion. Other people can come to their own conclusions. A tradition that is clearly continuing. Yeah, absolutely. Did his uh, hair dye roll down his uh, face there in that Senate chamber pod? We'll find out. We'll look at the closer inspection. No, I love it. And look, I, I want to say something, too. When we say, hey, sometimes you just don't want to talk politics and stars, it doesn't mean that we're saying you're not engaging. Sometimes the world, the way it's going right now, sometimes you just want to watch some dumb ghost chasing reality show and eat ice cream. That is part of keeping your own sanity. And uh, mm -hmm. I want to make sure we're clear about that, too. And I know you are. Um, but to drive it home there. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's hard. It's hard. In the and look, we're, we, you know, I'm a lifelong fan of the show, the Simpsons. I think they missed the boat so big on their Phantom Menace episode in some of the things that they talked about. One of them being just making fun of the boring politics in episode one. I know that's the national worldwide global conversation about those movies, particularly back in 1999. I think it's a big miss. Uh, I think people get excited about it. I think you see the Senate chamber, just one of the most wonderfully designed locations in Star Wars. You have that great shot of Omega sliding down as she hands the evidence in and she slides down and you go out into the chamber there with Organa. I think it's exciting. I think more people are engaged with it. Not everyone is. Uh, but to see uh, Tendra Pamlo from Rogue One there. Mm -hmm. some kind of the all-star of uh, polit political all-stars kind of showing up for the game here. It, I think, is uh, it's fun canon. It's fun lore connection uh, and also has, um, you know, uh, important ramifications to the story in our world if you're listening. So I, I just love all that. I love that it showed up again. Yeah, and, and I I love that. I I think for a lot of people, it really has changed, right? That, mm -hmm. uh, that these episodes aren't like, ugh, politics. You know, I think yeah. that was so a perspective from the expectations that the original trilogy generation, you know, um, mm -hmm grew up with that lucas it, it is political there, there's you know the the senate is wiped out in the first uh star wars story right um the novelization starts with the political backstory this was always political to lucas but in the original trilogy he didn't you know have the room the scope to share it as much and then it became to us like star wars is about dodging asteroids <laughs> not yeah. voting on bills uh, and I, I, I get the comedy from that perspective because there's a contrast to the way we people of our generation grew up with it. But I think that time has passed. And now this is this is it's been a strong, clear part of Star Wars for decades now.
Indeed. And will continue to be, I'm sure. Exactly. And gets us cheering. Yeah, I, I love that you uh, you uh, mentioned uh, Tinra Pamlo from Rogue One. Uh, her quote in the Rogue One briefing uh, where Jen is trying to convince him to do something about the Death Star. Uh, if the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? It says uh, Tinra Pamlo. Understandable. Uh, but <laughs> connects to some of our themes. Uh, all right. So going into some some other things here, uh, I thought that this was some maybe some clone aging clarity. Uh, Ooh, thank you. I wrote that down. Yes. Yes. Go into. That. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, So this this other uh, senator uh, from the Commerce Guild, uh, who I did not find a name for, just the Commerce Guild senator uh with great voice and great animation with the weird little shakes and the mm-hmm. the 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 way that she says everybody's name like it's an insult senator organa <laughs> <laughs> senator shoot yeah yep uh so great stuff but uh but she says the clone army cannot sustain given their accelerated aging and should be slated for decommissioning uh mm-hmm. so we recently had this question on our cues of the force uh podcast and uh I'll, I'll totally uh I'll I'm happy to learn new canon, put it that way. I always took it as the the clones were, uh, it had accelerated aging up until 20 when they're then ready for service, uh, but it would appear that I have been canon corrected <laughs> by a bad batch. Uh, happy to own up to it. Um, so how do you, what's your take on that? How do you feel about it? Uh, what are your thoughts? I just love it. I don't. I don't take it as as a, as a correction on on anything you or I might have said or believed for years. It's just like you said. It's updated information. It's new. It's answers, and it's it's both fun as a Star Wars fan. I think important to the story. I mean, this was got like Chuchi's telling him, this is going to happen regardless. Let's try to control it. Let's give you a choice in this matter. So I think it was an important mm-hmm. discussion around it. Again, it's this is an episode that is dealing with the aging of the clones, the onset of the Imperial Stormtrooper program. Those are big canon. Uh, checklist moments that we love from that point of view. But the story wrapped around him is so important. It's, it's, it's the why versus the how that we love celebrating here. But I just love seeing it dealt with. And I love the truth. And I love it just right there. Talking about the truth being a hot potato. That's a truth to hold on to. The clones are going to age out. So there it does become this kind of real concern. And it's fair to ask about it. But what do you do with that? And how do you sell that? And how do you use to, that to build your power is what this is all about. But it was fun to have it explored. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, I, and, I, and I'm I'm intrigued by the clarity because I think it does it adds to the storytelling, and we'll see where where they go uh, with Rex's story and in, in in what mm-hmm. medium and in in what yeah. year. Uh, but the vibe that I got from my rewatch of Rebels is that it, it's not like Rex is like has apathy or doesn't care. It's a little bit more that vibe of just like. What what more can I do? I'm an old man. This isn't my fight anymore. You know, I'm I'm I'm. Do I still have use? And then he really, you know, comes back to life. He's like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which uh, to me, it adds to that perspective. If the conversation has been for years and years, you are just aging too fast. You're, mm-hmm. <laughs> your mm-hmm. fighting days are over. You know, it puts him, you know, uh, his biological age in mm-hmm. his mid fifties in, in rebels. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sinking it up to that beard. Of course, aging is always weird in Star Wars. So who Mm -hmm. knows? Uh, Any anything else on that? Uh, No. Again, I love love what you said there. Love that it was uh, it was part of this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, So 
there was obviously a ton of, you know, connections to the Clone Wars animated series. That's not shocking, given that Bad Batch is a spinoff slash continuation, depending on how you want to look at it. But some really specific, you know, mm. connections, deep dives from the Clone Wars. Uh, the 79s Club, which was introduced in the in the Fives arc, where he mm-hmm. discovers the, the inhibitor chip. It was great to see that. And, and also see it not quite as packed or lively. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a harder time for the clones uh, from even back during the Clone Wars when they're having a hard time. Um, obviously, uh, Chuchi is is from the Clone Wars animated series and, and an important character. Her mm-hmm. first, she's really slated in the Clone Wars animated series and across a lot of the publishing as this sort of uh, group of bright, young, optimistic uh, women leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Padme, Satine, Chuchi, um the the leader that uh, we meet in the Master and Apprentice book. Um, I can't remember her name um, mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Um, so that that idea that she, she represents a very Star Wars idea of, you know, foster the younger generation for they will become mm-hmm. leaders of the future. And uh, in her first appearance in the Clone Wars episode Trespass, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorites, she's just taken baby steps into leadership right um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of her other big episodes is the sphere of influence episode uh that really focuses on on bear papanoida the character played mm-hmm. by george lucas who has a, a laser fight in the cantina with Greedo. <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh but chuchi in general is just she's just always been one of these uh mm-hmm. political figures that the clone wars almost sets up is like she's important she's a big deal mm-hmm. so it was finally mm-hmm. great to see her kind of step up mm. to the sort of uh, that level of uh bail uh, of mon yeah. mothma of one of the senators who who's trying to hold the line you know yeah yeah no, she's she's that uh kind of hot shot freshman senator that's uh now a few years into her career and is uh, part of the leaders uh, of, of this uh, party so to speak I, I love that and you see that in uh, of course the real world too um, yeah, and, and again, this this uh, roll call of all stars, it just it just warmed my heart. It just warmed my because yeah. I, I wasn't expecting her. I was expecting Bale at some point, and Pamela's uh, you know not the super focus of the episode, but it's great. But uh, to, the the curtains uh, part, and there comes Chuchi. Uh, it was a great intro and great use of the character. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and we already talked about uh, Halle Bertoni a little bit um, in the episodes that she is central in. Uh, some of the most political episodes of the Clone Wars of mm-hmm. the um, Heroes on Both Sides, Pursuit of Peace, uh, Senate Murders. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is all about Padme trying to get uh, get the the Republic to de-escalate, not order more clone troops mm-hmm. because it will escalate the war, uh, and, and use the money that's needed to help people who are suffering during the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halle Bertoni gets the win and gets the money. Um, yeah, and then something happened since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, those are some of the Clone Wars, uh, connections I wanted to talk about. Um, I want to ask you about the question that's sort of raised by the end of the episode, but not fully addressed. Uh, I guess I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on it and what future storytelling you might want. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the Senate deliberations, uh, as we're, we're uh, catching up with them, it seems like Rampart and the other senators have given in to the provisions that Chuchi wanted in the bill that would have provided for the clones. Yeah. But then Palpatine makes his statement of like, actually, it really was the blind allegiance of the clones that did this awful thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that not only 
the bill passes to start the Imperial Stormtrooper program. But do you think the provisions get stripped? Um, yeah. Or just or just that they're, they're publicly they're there and then they just get diverted in back channels uh, because I, I can't imagine Palpatine actually wanting the money to go to the clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we see the clone having a hard time on Dayu in the Kenobi TV show. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and that's a that's a great example to to bring up. Uh, I I think at, at the most realistic thing is probably oh yeah 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 it's in there and then it'll get bogged down in uh, bad websites and other policies <laughs> and everything. You know what I mean? Like so that's what I look at. But no, I also I think I took it as um, uh, offer offer void if to the clones right. Mm-hmm. Sure, we'll take care of you. Oh, but did you? Uh, you got? I don't know. Y'all seem to just follow orders without questioning things. That's not good. So no, 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 no. Thanks for you. So that's that's why I took it. Uh, just because the reality of it. And again, going to the reality of, of, of politics and the nature of compromise or what's there. I mean, there. You know, maybe Rampart's not 100 percent lying. And he's like, that's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, so I oh, get yeah. that. Yeah, totally. And she's like, cool. Then you're not prepared to do what you need to do or what you say you're going to do. It's not the time. Um, a smart response, uh, but I think Palpatine, uh, I think he wiped it all away with that alarm. Yeah, yep. And in the clones are talking, the Bad Batch and Rex and and uh, Chuchi are all talking at the end of like, what is the fate of the clones going to be? It's not like, oh well, at least he got those provisions. It seems like a loss, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from their perspective. So, yeah, don't seem do good. You, do you think we're going to follow up more on that? Do you think we're going to get stories of clones, you know, saying, "Hey, I went." to this office on Coruscant for my alleged, you know, new work employment program. And they told me it was full, but uh, there were no other clones there. Do you think we're going to get a story like that? Look, I'll tell you what, I want that. And I know that that wouldn't be, you know, the service of a a popular episode pitch, Um, but I I want that. I was thinking about this. I'm glad you mentioned Uh, just enjoying these episodes in in, in so many ways and being moved by them, inspired by them, um, uh, causing some fear in me um, for the real world. But I, the clone thing of just like, you know, you have, again, this 19 years where from A to B, a lot of things happen. And this is one of those on the road to B with the clones. And it's fascinating of them being um, mentioned, but gone, right? Essentially, and after that, yes, the new canon Rex and all these people show up and maybe someone, some of our Battle of Endor, totally get it. But I, we're going to get that kind of stuff. And we, 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 I'd love to, we get it with, Rex, and you mentioned it in Rebels, but a story of like, I know my time is is truly finite, right? And mm-hmm. quicker than yours. And what does that do for me? I was bred for war. I'm, now who am I without that? And I don't have a lot of time to figure it out. That could be some pretty powerful storytelling uh, if you bring it in in certain, way, certain ways. And that it might begin with a clone going to the uh, clone insurance office. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, for me, last thing is, uh, the, the garage that Rex was using, I took that as Trace and Rafa's garage. Did you as well? Totally, totally. And it looks like not only is it fun to kind of indirectly mention them and keep it open of other, they're, they're not here right now. They're doing something, but also it's like, that's a good use of animation backgrounds that you already probably got built. (laughs) Exactly. Why make a new garage when we already got one? Any other Canon things that you wanted to discuss? Rolling down. I think you got them all. Gonky's his own Canon. So I'm glad he was back um, (laughs) there. Um, The suicide, you mentioned the, the the suicide capsule thing that uh, I, I now consider that Canon for Bosch and Mando. Mm. Well, and, and Mando. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I was thinking yeah. when I said we hadn't seen it before, like, oh, but we have, haven't we? Anyway, I mean, it could be, 
you know, there's 13 different ice spiders in Star Wars now, so it could be something different. But I, I like seeing that. Um, I do want to say, we got to say Masamita mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Palpatine walking stick. It's just, uh, you know, everything about him. He's a fascinating character because there's so many questions around him. You get Stephen Stanton as a voice back uh, again doing that. Love that. Um, but I, he's such an interesting character because it's like all the things he knows and all the things he's did. And he's this public face. He's he's the mouth of Sauron for us here with Palpatine and just <laughs> liquor. Just I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. I know a lot of folks out there. I've seen a lot of Masa made stuff. Lately, from 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 Ken Plume over Force Five to Scotty uh, over at Bomb Bad Pocket, a lot of people talk about Masa Mita in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> it, so we're in a Masa Sans. A Masa Sans. Oh, I love it. Yeah, because I mean, what just a, a, a background character in mm-hmm. in the prequels, right? But then, as you sort of flesh out the reality, of that government becomes an extremely Mm-hmm. Uh, central figure, one of the you know desperate uh, holder honors after the events of the original trilogy, the one who actually signed the concordance that the Galactic mm-hmm. Civil War was over and the Empire was done, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to to this, probably his absolute heyday, right? Of like, yeah, I know exactly how awful everything is. I know every awful thing is done, and I am down with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, love it. love it. And then in contrast, great to see Bale there, and and you know yeah. as we get more and more clarity on, you know he's he's whispering in the shadows, taking these small risks, really trying to help, trying to keep the guardrails of democracy up in the Senate the best as he can, but at the same time, you know going going into the shadows uh, to have meetings and get information. Yeah, and, and and the great Phil Lamar doing a wonderful job with that voice as always. I think he really captures a, a great Bale Bale vibe. Yeah, yeah, a great performance uh, by by Phil there. Absolutely. Was there anything that you uh, disliked or questioned in these two episodes? Um, if, uh, no, I mean, no. That's <laughs> we're not here to we're we're not reviewers. We're discussers, and and and, and you know, if I got something that doesn't work, I'll, I'll dance around it. Um, from the from the first shot to the last, these were two of the best episodes. Uh, episode three this year has been up there. And, you know, there's, I'm not here for, we have fun ranking things in Star Wars, but we're not here for serious ranks. I don't think that's what we do, especially now. Um, So I'm not comparing this to anyone else, any other show, but this was up there with some of the best storytelling the last couple of years in Star Wars. Um, I really believe that, really believe that, especially with the Palpatine moment and to tie in these big canon things, just playing around in this world of Star Wars. So, no, I never questioned anything about these things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I did not dislike anything uh, in this episode. Uh, these this story, um, mm-hmm. I think the the overall getting to see the true birth of the Imperial Stormtrooper in the words of Ian McDermott and having it mm-hmm. so beautifully set up to have this devastating idea about how fragile even even truth is, mm-hmm. uh, and still have a sense of of light of hope in the darkness. Absolutely great stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. I was thrilled, thrilled to get an answer to uh, the question we've all been screaming. Uh, where is Gonky? Is he safe? Is he all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out, yes, but he is lonely. So <laughs> there, I just like that. Uh, that. Somebody play with Gonky. He's so lonely, wandering up and down the ship, honking for something. What does Gonky want? Ask him. Come on. Ask him about his needs. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Come on. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? 
No, no. I mean, we laid uh, laid it all on the table here today. Uh, great stuff going on, and I know we always. If you're listening by this point, you're you're not one of these folks. So I know Star Wars animation or animation in general doesn't always work for everyone, and and there can be shows that you're more interested in others. That's that's always going to be the case. Uh, I just uh, I love shouting out to the rooftops about how great this show is and what it's growing beyond the premise, right? And yeah. I saw there was someone, there was someone, I think it was Lucasfilm boy, someone tweeted, I don't know what it was. They're like, man, I remember being in the rooms when like the Bad Batch was being conceived and pitched and discussed years ago, years ago. And to actually see that being realized, it was, was emotional or whatever they said, I'm paraphrasing. I even mm. forget who it was. It was, it wasn't like a story group member or something. And I just, I thought, oh man, what a wonderful thing. They, they, they knew, cause you and I even expressed some, you know, dubious uh, feelings about uh, the Bad Batch. Uh, we're getting eight teams. What do we go? That, them, them. And they've just done a wonderful job of just taking this show into some very important areas of Star Wars. No, I totally, totally agree with all that. And yeah, I, I think people love uh, Andor for many reasons. I loved Andor for many reasons. But yeah, I, I do think that uh, I hope that there are some Andor viewers who who they like Star Wars being a little bit more blatantly political. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see if some of those people could get into the animated version of that that exists in Star Wars. Because I thought this was mm-hmm. so complementary to so many of the ideas uh, in, in Andor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tremendously complimentary. Uh, final thing for me that I wanted to touch on is, you know, we've talked a lot about how beautiful the animation is. I felt like there's this one moment, with cool action moment where Slip uses the speeder for cover and gets on, merges with traffic, and then his cap kind of almost blows off the speeder bike. Mm. And that almost felt like a moment where the animation team was going <laughs> to said, let us show you what we can do. Let us show you how far we've come from the first season of Clone Wars yeah. where nothing on a person's body could ever ever move <laughs> they were glued into those robes right yeah. ripple what are you talking about wind blowing off a hat a hat's a part of their anatomy that's not, no yeah. it was so i don't know it just it just popped to me of like you know we can do this now right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they, they can get this thing up to 88 miles per hour and they do yeah it's great yeah yeah of course it was just just beautiful I don't, I don't have like a 4k tv or anything like that i've seen some people tweeting out some stuff already where i'm like ah can i come over to your house and watch because just just gorgeous yeah, absolutely. We always try to wrap up with a fun question of if we could have an action figure or merch of any kind inspired by these two episodes. Uh, Ken, what would you want? I do want a new Masamita animated edition figure. Uh, I do, mm. you know, I love uh, the photorealism stuff we got going on. I'm a big you know, fan of the Six Inch Black Series line. So give me give me more of that too. But you know, just some some bat batch animation style figures and give me a Masamita. I, I just that uh, I'm obsessed. I know you're obsessed with his tongue because <laughs> of the figure. <laughs> I'm obsessed with his little walking stick with the palpatine thing on the it's so bizarre and uh, bootlicking. I just he's such an interesting character. So I want I want that. <laughs> I want that. And then I do think we all need the Palpatine arrive to the meeting alarm on our phones. If you want to wake <laughs> Just like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because, it, it, yeah, it, it's a different sound than the standard alarm. It's it's different. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, a heralding. Yeah, I got that. I got that. Um, Rise of Skywalker era restored Emperor minibus. I don't know how many emperors I need staring at me. I got one on my desk too. Mm. Um, this is one of those joke products that if it existed, I'd probably buy it. I don't know if I'd actually put it out, but uh, I think you're right about alarm 
alarms. We should have an old school uh, analog alarm clock <laughs> of Palpatine when it's time to wake up, rises with that alarm sound. And then you actually get to bop Palpatine and put him back down <laughs> to snooze. Uh, all for that. All for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think action figures, man, uh, it, it's always weird to say, here's what I want. I want the Bad Batch. <laughs> all of them now in vintage yeah. uh hunter's been announced so it, they'll come anyway uh add to the pile uh i love uh the this uh rex's sort of casual clone in the shadows look uh mm. rogue agent rex uh i want that action figure that's great oh uh, yeah i love that it's a very very good look for rex all right that is our big look at uh these great Two episodes of the Bad Batch Clone Conspiracy, Truth and Consequences. Ken, you want to pe- let people know where they can find us? Yes, I do. We are on Twitter at Force Center Pod, Hive Social at Force Center, if you're over there. Uh, we are on Facebook, Force Center, Force Center Podcast, Instagram, and yes, YouTube, where we have figure fights. We got some shorts going on. The uh, You want to get some uh, Gentle Giant statue reviews? We got that. Uh, I've started doing this thing, and uh, you know, Joseph and Jennifer, you, we, we all go out in the world and Star Wars finds us. So if a toy finds me, I'm going to share it with y'all. It's over there. Join the YouTube fun over there. Doesn't mean we're not focusing on the podcast side. Clearly, we're here for these deep dives. Subscribe if you would like to over there. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. I've already seen some folks with some new Force Center shirts for celebration, prequelist shirts, speculate responsibly shirts. Check over there. Uh, and you can find the podcast on a lot of spots, including Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, we always love the support, but we'll say this. We got some announcements. We got some things. We got some stuff in store over on that side as well. Follow me at Catnapsack. Go to my website, catnapsack.com for information on comedy shows, my music show, Pop Rock and Radio, my podcast, The Blathering. It's all there at catnapsack.com. Where can they go for you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw. In particular, you can also check out my YouTube page. You can go to YouTube and search for Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, I want to thank everyone for the kind support as I make more uh, short films, uh, comedy bits, and put them up on YouTube. I recently released a new cosmic horror, darkly comic uh, short film called Unboxing the Cosmos. Uh, I originally made it with the intent of uh, submitting it to film festivals, and I did have it at a film festival. It was great. I decided to put it on YouTube. Uh, the short is, is kind of about asking for engagement, struggling with being in mm. internet presence, uh, and I didn't really think about when I was making it the irony of then having to promote it. Uh, mm. So go check it out and enjoy the irony there. Uh, that is it for us, for myself. For Ken, for the return of Gonky, this has been the Bad Batch Report. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.